Welcome to the Enneamom. I am your host, Kendra Green, and you are listening to episode number six. This is the place where motherhood and the Enneagram collide. Today, we're going to be talking about a brand new series called Mommy Monsters. Why do they appear and how can we avoid them? More specifically, we're going to get into the gut triad, or what's known as the body center, which is types 8s, 9s, and 1s. My hope for this short and sweet episode is that it would be fun, informative, and encouraging. My son Landon is going to be appearing on the episode again today, which is sure to be interesting. So let's listen in. Recently, I had a sweet lady who was very dear to my heart pass away, and her name was Miss Johnny. If you're listening to this episode and you know Miss Johnny, then you loved her probably just as much as I did. But we did our small group last year at her house because I just really felt a tug on my heart to spend more time with her. Um, She passed away at the age of, I want to say, 94 years old. But she was just as quick-minded as probably as she's always been. But she was just so fun um, to have conversations with. And when we had our small group with her, when she would, you know, chime in and, and give her two cents, she would always tell us to not be so hard on ourselves. She would say that as a young mom, she would spend so much time um, putting her kids to bed and then going and crying in her room because she just felt so bad about how she lost her temper and about how she would just get so angry and then just feel so bad. And she um, said even in her later years of life, she just had regrets about how she didn't feel like she was the best mom to her kids that she could be. And sorry, I'm getting emotional. And that's why I'm doing this podcast is because I want to live my life in such a way that when I am older, I can look back and say I did the best I could. And I want to help you do the same. That you can end your day looking back and saying, I did the best I could, and that you give yourself grace. And I think a part of that is gaining some self-awareness, gaining enough awareness about yourself that when we get angry with our kids and frustrated, that we can respond to them and not react, that we can give a gentle answer and not an angry, harsh, you through your teeth response. (laughs) Because let's be honest, I mean, that happens to me all the time. Just yesterday, I was focused on a project at home um, on my computer. I had told all the kids, you know, that we were going to eat something easy for dinner, that I needed to focus And, you know, let's all just get along, right? You kind of give them that pep talk like, hey, here's what mommy's got to do. Here's what's on my agenda. Now all of y'all obey and just follow suit, right? Well, that doesn't happen. And so my kids were not, they weren't, they weren't listening. They weren't obeying. And so I got mad. I got frustrated because my agenda got messed up. What I should have done is waited to do that project when they weren't home and just focused on connecting with them, spending time with them. We all had a long week. Um, My time would have been better served just sitting with them instead of trying to get this project done. And so my words came out through my teeth (laughs) and I wasn't the nicest mom I could have been. And of course, I ended the day 
um, just upset over the way I said things, the way I did things. And thankfully, you know, I had, I have enough mind to apologize to my kids. So I did, I told them I was sorry for how I acted and that that's not how mommy should be. And so of course they apologize, you know, whether we believe it or not, our kids are going to give us so much grace. So today we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about mommy monsters, what these types, the eights, nines, and ones look like when they're mommy monsters and um, ways on how to avoid that or even maybe notice when we're going there. When that monster is starting to emerge, we can um, push it back down or even figure out how to get rid of it. Okay, so we're going to go there today. Okay, Landon, can you tell me when mommy turns into a mommy monster? When you don't sleep every night in your room. What about you? What about when you sleep in your, when you don't sleep in your room? I turn into a mommy, a landing monster. (laughs) Does mommy turn into a mommy monster when I don't sleep because you get in my bed? Yeah. Yeah. So what is a mommy monster? You can most likely identify a mommy monster by someone who has a weird bun on the top of her head. Um, she's probably got bags under her eyes. And if there's not a child on her hip, there's probably one pulling on her or texting her a bunch of questions. And there's probably a cold cup of coffee sitting nearby. So she's frustrated, she's tired, she's probably hungry, and she just needs to go take a nap. And sometimes this mommy monster looks put together. She looks like she's not frustrated, but her mind will not stop. Her mind keeps going and going and going until it crashes. So that's the mommy monster. And if that's you, if you feel like you are in monster mode today, I want to encourage you to halt. And this is an acronym acronym I have learned from Emily P. Freeman from The Next Right Thing. And I want to help you unpack that before we go into the gut triad. But the first letter in HALT is H, and that stands for hungry or hangry. Maybe you are actually hungry and you just need a taco or a bagel or something. Or it stands for hungry as in needing attention or feeling important. Or maybe you feel unproductive. You're hungry for, for productivity. Okay, so um, maybe identify whether or not you're hungry. Okay, you need to have a good support system that helps you in figuring out what that hunger looks like. And then the A stands for anger. Anger can actually be a really great teacher. Dallas Willard says that what's bothering us could be the most revolutionary question we could ask ourselves. So what's bothering you? What's bothering you today? What's making you angry? So consider what's making you angry and see if you can actually answer that because anger is a secondary emotion. So when you're angry, maybe um, you just haven't gotten to the root of what's really bothering you. The L stands for lonely. And if you're lonely, it could be that maybe your spouse works long hours or that you're parenting alone um, or that you don't have any family nearby to help you out. And when you are lonely, it can drive you to act before you're ready, simply because you don't, because you want to do anything to escape that feeling. 
It, it can make you feel overwhelmed, like it's all on your shoulders, that you have no one to lean on. And if you need a friend, then go find one. Go show yourself friendly. Get off of your Instagram feed. Stop scrolling and looking at other people's lives, but engage in other people's lives. Involve yourself in other people's lives. Become a friend if you want a friend. So if you're lonely, it could be that you just need a friend to sit and process with. You need someone to talk to and feel like you're not all alone because you're not. If you're listening to this episode, I want you to know that you are not alone. Okay? So L is lonely. And then finally, the T stands for tired. Man, are we tired, moms? Um, If you have things to do, every little thing feels so much bigger when you're tired. You'll find yourself becoming irritable and anxious and really just weighed down. So maybe the next thing that you need to do has nothing to do with your kids, but you just need to go get some rest. You need to take a deep breath. Close the computer, turn off the phone, go to bed. If you need to pull all your kids into bed with you and put on a movie so you can just close your eyes for five minutes, then do it. Because exhaustion leads to reactionary parenting. Not responsive. We want to be responsive parents, not reactionary parents. So if you're feeling tired, just go take a nap. If you feel like you have so much to do, Just lay it down for the day. It's going to be there when you wake up um, or you can work on it tomorrow afternoon. Don't think about having to do it when you wake up. That can be a little exhausting already, but just go to sleep, go to bed. And maybe you need to work rest into your daily life where you take some time to just sit and to be and not do anything. We are human beings, not human doings. Okay. So what do you need to do today? Do you um, need a taco? Are you hungry? Do you need to deal with your anger? Are you uh, suppressing things that are bothering you? Or maybe you're lonely and you need a friend. Or maybe you just need a nap. So take this moment and halt and just kind kind of observe what's going on inside of you. Okay, friends, if you are in the body center, if you are an eight, nine, or one, That means you are concerned with maintaining resistance to reality. So you create boundaries for yourself that are based on physical tensions. These types tend to have problems with aggression and repression. And underneath all those defenses, they carry a great deal of rage. And that rage looks different than each one of them. And a lot of times we don't even like to admit that we have rage um, because it just just sounds yuck, right? You're like, ugh, I don't want to have rage. Um, I also want to tell you that if you are not in the body center, so if you are any of the other six numbers, you also want to listen to this because um, we all need to tap into our body center. Our bodies are so important. It it plays such a crucial role in spiritual work because bringing awareness back to our body anchors us to um, the quality of presence. It's only in our physical, actual presence sometimes that we can feel the move of God, right? Um, and so, you know, our minds and our feelings can wander from the past or the future, but our body can only exist in the here and now, in the present moment. Moment. So getting into our bodies is such a important thing and a very fundamental thing for us to do um, when it comes back to being our true selves. 
And I think when we're in our true selves, that's when we are the best people, the best moms that we can be, when we are at our true self and being grounded in that. So the instincts of the body are very powerful um, energies that we have to work with. Real transformation must involve our bodies, right? Um, we all know that we, we are better people. We feel better when we exercise, when we drink plenty of water, when we feed our bodies good food, and when we sleep well. And that all is through our bodies. So this bo- our bodies have an amazing intelligence and sensitivity. Um, and it's ha- it even has its own language. Think about, you know, you don't even think about the fact that you have feet unless you realize either, oh, my feet are cold or my feet hurt from these shoes. So we have to listen to our bodies for it to talk to us. And sometimes we don't listen to our bodies. So they yell at us and scream at us, right? And then it really affects us. So at this moment, when you are, as you're listening to these words, can you feel your body? How do you feel your body? What does it feel like? Where is your body positioned right now? How deeply are you experiencing your body? And what helps you experience your body more deeply? So do you need to get your body moving? Do you need to go use your five senses and, and discover more of life through your, through your body? Within this gut triad, anger is dissipated in different ways. At their best, gut people harness their energy and direct it through their in- initiating ability to build a better world. At their worst, it seems that everything annoys them. <laughs> Usually gut people don't know what to do with their feelings. In fact, they tend to disassociate from them. Vulnerable feelings signal, a, signal to gut people that they may be the source of their own anger, leading to exasperation that somehow they are inherently and irredeemably flawed, which is terrifying. To avoid such a fear, gut people repress the core emotion so that it is transmuted into impassioned outbursts, which looks like anger. Coping with fear propels gut people into taking charge of their environment um, and maintaining an illusion of control over the consequences created by their anger. Eights and ones are more direct in their anger. Eights externalize their anger and ones demonstrate uh, more controlled anger. Ones for anger looks more like frustration, while nines are more passive, suppressing their anger until it is finally triggered, often catching themselves and others off guard by it. Um, Richard Rohr suggests that those in the body center experience life through waves of, waves of intensity and often experience life as too much, somewhat like a full body blow to which they develop a characteristic defense. So eights would hit back, nines would back off, and ones would try to fix it. So let's listen to our anger and let it tell us what we need to know about our bodies and about what's bothering us. So now that we have this basic understanding of the gut center, let's move on to each of the types in this center and what their mommy monsters are. If you are a type eight on the Enneagram, I want to talk about the mommy monster of burnout with you. Protect your parents, which is you. That's your role as a parent. You're a protector. You can be very hard on yourself. Um, Protector parents can forget the cost of continually putting out energy, often excessive energy, on behalf of others or advocating for others. There is a cost in terms of their own well-being for their directness, forcefulness, confrontational encounters, dealing with other highly charged situations. And the price is they forget to take care of themselves. 
to allow time to recharge. Here is a report from another protective mother. I hear a lot about abuse that I give to others, and I don't talk about the abuse I do to myself. I'm harder on myself than I could ever be about anybody else, and it's difficult. Even with all my energy, I will burn myself out. Now I've actually learned to block off time in the day, quiet times for myself, because otherwise I will keep going until I drop, and I won't even know I was in that state of exhaustion. The pattern for me is always to go to self-abuse, always to the excess. I often feel sad, and part of that sadness I feel is for myself. So here is your action for your body. Since you're in the body center, you need to learn to take care of yourself before you reach that abyss of self-abuse. When everything is going well and you're in control of yourself, you're happy. Your family is happy, right? And when an unforeseen problem arises, you have enough energy in reserve so you can keep it in perspective and deal with it without running on empty and then fighting back overzealously. And usually with our kids, something unexpected is always going to happen. But when we're on the fritz, when we have tapped out all the energy we have, that's when we react instead of respond. That's when we yell. That's when we get forceful with our kids. So learn to avoid those painful places and times when you're devoid of any energy. Become aware that it's okay to sit back and be still. Nobody is expecting you to constantly defend them and constantly um, protect boundaries. Okay, so learn that the passive stance is good sometimes. Patience has its own rewards. You don't always have to jump in and do what you feel you need to do right in that moment. One of the hardest and greatest lessons for you to learn is going to be patience. As a parent, you tend to push and you push and you push and you push. And with some children, you just can't do that. You will roll right over them and there's going to be damage. You have to give them space to come towards you. So try different techniques for yourself to learn how to create that space. Um, You need to have energy and reserve for your children because they take up so much energy. Try not to expend yourself on other projects and then interact with your family while you're running on empty. Okay, so if you're a type nine, we are now going to talk about the mommy monster of yes, of saying yes. Peacekeeper parents, you need to practice saying no. It is so true that peacekeeper parents are reluctant self-starters. As parents, they are motivated by the expectations of their children and their desire to promote harmony in the family. If their children need a ride to school early for a special outing, everyone knows that the peacekeeper will drive them. The family falls easily into the expectation that the peacekeeper parent will pick up the slack because for years, that's what she has done. It may be difficult, For peacekeeper parents to rouse themselves in the morning, they'd rather lie in bed and be comfortable, but it's easy if they have to do it to accommodate someone else. So here is what you need to practice to get rid of that mommy monster of yes. Practice saying no. Saying no doesn't mean no, I don't love you. Your children understand that, even if you have qualms. You need to build boundaries for yourself. Your children will respect you for doing so, and if you don't Build that boundary yourself. They will draw that boundary for you. And their boundaries are very invasive. So (laughs) think about it this way. How are you going to teach them the value of self-esteem if it's so hard for you to take a stand for yourself? 
you are doing them a favor when you say no. So say no to your kids and know that they will still feel your love whether you do everything they ask or not. For those that are the moralizer parent or the type one, your mommy monster probably is about rightness. You want to avoid the pitfall of trying to always be right and create a perfect world. Of all the personality types, moralizers are perhaps the most easily recognized and most call them perfectionists. And we and they know that they can be obsessive in their drive to do things right. They can make excellent role models, inspirational parents with their passion for excellence, their sense of right and wrong, and the enthusiasm with which they try to impart moral standards and life lessons. Note how convinced this moralizer parent is of the rightness of her message. Um, a A moralizer mom would say, there's never been any doubt that I immerse myself genuinely in whatever it is I'm doing with my children. I value what we're doing and find great satisfaction when I sense them coming along to the way I see things. Another parent would say um, that the downside of the passion and intensity for perfection is when I am convinced about the way things should be, I spend tremendous, tremendous energy in a positive direction toward that end. And still, I can't accomplish the great things I set out to achieve. It's like coming up against a brick wall. I feel the anger rise inside. Then a phrase comes to mind that someone shared with me a long time ago. Be careful of sacrificing the real for the ideal. Man, that's good. A moralizer mother um, once said that she can't get through to her children right away, if she can't get through her to, to her children right away, or if they don't feel comfortable with what she's asking for, she won't leave them alone. She feels so confident that even if they are determined not to see things her way, she knows eventually they will come around. I don't give up, she says. I want my children to be, uh, to see like me for their own good. So your action to get rid of that mommy monster of rightness is to be careful of the diligence with which you may go about trying to convince your children of the rightness of your approach. Try not to work so hard at it. Some children, because they're just different personalities from you, may not be able, however hard they try, to appreciate your viewpoint, the way you see the world. To a reluctant child, it's almost as if you're shaking them and saying, you will see this the right way. This methodology may work, but it will also cause lasting damage to their self-esteem and to your relationship that is sure to cause regrets later in life. You may evoke a sense of response, of a response of resentment toward yourself if you insist on living in a world of being right. You may find it wonderfully energizing to aspire to the ideal, but unless this desire is grounded in reality and a sense of incorporating many points of view, the result may not be what you hope to achieve. If you want to recognize your efforts in trying to make things the best they can be, just back off a little. Know that you are an idealist, idealistic, moral, and inspiring parent. These messages of virtuous living you try to teach your children are important, and they are worthy. If you want each of them to understand what you're saying in their own individual ways, try to tailor the message to them so they can hear it according to their different personalities. Try to lessen the impression that you are the moral authority that only you know what is right. Let them know that you love them unconditionally despite the fact that you're often picking on them for errors and misdemeanors. Enter into a dialogue with your children on issues of morality. You may be surprised and pleased about what you learn.
I hope this episode has been helpful to you so far. If you find yourself in the body center, I don't want you feeling any sort of way about the information you have just learned. Just let it be information to you. And then give yourself mounds and mounds of grace. Okay, give yourself grace and then just find one thing. Find one thing to do today to connect to your body center. Because when you connect with your body and you are feeling good and you feel like you're moving forward, I feel like that's where you will meet God. You'll know that God has been there all along and he's going to walk with you going forward too. So give yourself grace. Go connect with your body. Maybe go outside in the fresh air. Take a walk. Go sit out in the sunshine. Do something to refresh that body. Before we end our time here together, as always, I'd like to share a scripture and a short prayer with you because, like I've said before, the Enneagram without the work of the gospel, without the truth of Jesus Christ, it's just a tool. So with the gospel involved, that's when the Enneagram can cause transformational work. But the scripture I want to read to you is from Proverbs 25, 15, and it says, With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Well, we know that our children can be tiny rulers, so we need all the patience to persuade those tiny little rulers. But here's the prayer for today. I bring to you, Lord, my momentary irritation, that you might reveal the buried seed of it, not in the words or actions of another person, but in the withered and hypocritical expectations of my own small heart, uproot from this impoverished soil an arrogance and insecurity that would prompt me to dismiss or disdain others, judging them with a less generous measure than I reckon when I judge myself. Prune away the tangled growth of my own unjustified irritations, Jesus, and graft to my heart instead your humility, your compassion, your patience, your kindness, that I might bear good fruit in keeping with your grace. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me in this space today. It's always such a pleasure to join you here. And I want to hear from you. If you will, if you've made it this far, if you will share this to social media and comment and let me know what your mommy monster is. I want to hear from you. I want to know what's going on in your world. Let me know who you are, who's listening. And as always, please share if you have a friend or family member who would benefit from this. I don't want my words to just be for nothing. I want them to be helpful. So if you ever have questions, please let me know. But I will see you next week on The Enneamom.